Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to episode 15, Fury, part 2. In this episode, uh, John Jones races to find a cure for the Man Plague, while Hawkgirl and Wonder Woman try to track down Aresia, Star Sapphire, and Sokori. Uh, Hippolyta confronts Aresia in an airplane hangar, but is unable to convince her to stop her plan. They take off to spread their plague throughout the world via crop dusting, but uh, Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl manage to prevent it. Aresia goes down with the ship, ending the threat, and somewhere in the middle there's an awkward confession where Hippolyta basically says, not all men. <laughs> that's accurate. Tell me it didn't happen, Gary. Yeah, it, it, it was... That's what we're dealing with. It happens. Hashtag not all men. Not all men. <laughs> first things first. Yeah. That fire truck is back. What, what fire truck? I don't remember this. I was I was ranting and raving about this fire this fire truck back in episode. Uh, it was the one with the hurricane, whatever that one was. And I was talking about how it was the oh, fire truck right. out of my childhood. It's back. And also, there's an ambulance oh. to go with it this time. <laughs> we got the whole Hess set. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this man. is really good, though, mm-hmm. is that they're showing us first responders. They're yes. showing us, like, regular, you know, they're the real heroes, Gary. They they're are. showing us, you know, people on the ground actually taking care of situations, and then the Justice League coming in and being like, how can we help? Mm-hmm. And just getting the people in the ambulances, like a huge logistical challenge that is made a lot easier when one can fly. Right. Um, I don't know. I was just kind of like, every time they recognize that most of the emergencies... Uh, are, like, well enough in hand by the people whose job it is to take care of those emergencies, and the Justice League's job is mainly to, like, deal with these other threats. I just like the the attention that they spend saying, like, no, these are actual... The Justice League prioritizes human life in the same way, but have a very different function on a macroscopic scale. Um, yeah. And just seeing us both sides of, like, the people on the ground helping out, I I think it's just, like makes a very uh, cohesive, uh, idealistic whole for the Justice League. Like, we're, we're fighting these big battles for justice, but never forget right. the people on the ground who we're actually fighting for and seeing right. them load men into the ambulance to try to get them the treatment they need. Fucking beautiful. Yes. It was uh, it was great, and, and it's, it's the Justice League doing... Yeah, I mean, they're still doing groundwork like we were kind of complaining about in the hurricane, but it feels... The, the stakes are much more realistic, and, and everything is much more in place versus last time around they're already in the area yeah, yeah. They're, they're right there yep yeah so. but you know like we know that it's a a man killing virus right and uh so like as as the justice league is yeah, helping batman out, did the sunglasses moment last last episode <laughs> that made it really clear that's right um but yeah so i forget was it the first episode or the second one where grash flash and green lantern came down with it was it this one i think it's the first episode uh it happens very quickly it's not the bulk of the episode it's like they show up to get sick and hang out on the watchtower right yeah Um, so i mean as as batman is rescuing these people i'm just sitting there like oh no he's gonna get sick too like it's this moment where i'm in on it and i'm like this is mm -hmm. this is gonna suck but uh i wanna i wanna I want to take a second to, like, acknowledge something in terms of how fast everybody else comes down with the virus. Because I don't think this was actually intended. I don't think they, like, went through each of, like, okay, how is 
how is human physiology distinct from a Kryptonian's distinct from a Martian's physiology? Like, what are the rates that each of them... I don't think that that was a consideration. Yeah. But seeing that Superman immediately cacks over from the virus, seeing that the Flash goes down pretty quickly because of hypermetabolism, mm -hmm. uh, that Green Lantern holds out a little while but also succumbs. Mm -hmm. um, we also see Batman doing his, like, superhuman cussedness and stubborn streak staying yeah. you know staying conscious for as long as is humanly possible we see his like vision flickering out in a nice pov shot before he actually succumbs to the virus mm -hmm. it's uh you don't have like i don't think it was actually intended but you could take it as a small character moment of like he is just uh he's got more determination than the other than the other guys a hero to the end you could take it that way yeah. and i choose to that's that's how i took it we need yeah. more batmans in the world I wouldn't have minded. I think that this is a little bit of a weakness that they didn't... Uh, there I, there could have been more acknowledgement that they were, like, short-staffed on the streets because so few women are... Because those professions are kind of boys' clubs still. Ooh, true. You know, the EMTs and the firefighters of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been a good moment to do a little bit of introspection, but, you know, missed opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, but we do get, like, we do get a, uh, a really awesome Hawkgirl-Wonder Woman conversation uh, a little bit in, oh, yeah. into this kind of rescue sequence. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you took note of this. I just took a note of uh, Hawkgirl's line to Wonder Woman. Yeah, which is like, well, why, why do you care about these men so much? Like, what, what is the purpose of these men? Or something to that effect, and mm -hmm. Hawkgirl responds. Yeah, yeah, don't knock it till you tried it, princess. Which is a it, pretty, oh, God. pretty wild line for a, a kid's cartoon. Yeah, it's it's... It's explicit, right? Like, don't uh, yeah. not don't knock men until you've tried them. Don't not it mm -hmm. being the sex with men. That's what I assumed. Men for having sex with, yes. Yeah. Uh, and like, I don't know about I don't know how you. Uh, it's entirely possible that this iteration of Wonder Woman has never had sex. Oh, at least not with a man. I'm thinking not. Yeah. And it's impossible that Hawkgirl has not had a lot of sex. Like, she just seems like the type to, like, love him and leave him. Like, the, <laughs> you know, use him for all they're worth for a brief, like, for, like, 20 minutes in a cab kind oh, yeah. of encounter. I get is, that vibe. Is how I see Hawkgirl. You know, this is, this is business, mm -hmm. is kind of how I see her uh, kind of doing this. Yeah, it's interesting that... You know, like in terms of design, they really sexualize Wonder Woman, but then they really, in terms of personality, they sexualize Hawkgirl. So it's it's an interesting flip flop. I buy it. Yeah. Oh, it's it's very good. It's nice and textured because like you expect the bikini, you know, um, Baywatch princess to be the one who is like very sexual, mm -hmm. uh, but in fact, it's like the gruff, you know, bruiser who is constantly getting in people's faces and talking down to them. Yep. You know, fulfilling my every, uh, you know, <laughs> getting talked down to uh, kink fantasy. <laughs> com com complete, complete with, you know, also getting those wings in there for other different distinct kink fantasies. All right. Well, we need to talk about th those later, but... That's our other podcast. <laughs> uh, the Crotch Tower. The cr <laughs> Nice. <laughs> pretty proud of that one actually That's, that is pretty really good not. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> anyway um but yeah, yeah this is, that's a really nice uh character detail mm -hmm. about them like and you have to read into it a little bit not that much like 
they're saying Hawkgirl is familiar with, uh, you know, um, a man's utility in in bed hmm. uh, as well. But, the, you know, we, we already know that they both appreciate men as comrades. Right. So it's just like a nice little insight into kind of how Hawkgirl and Wonder Woman kind of kind of how they see the male population. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, that's that's what I like about this show is is the glimpses into personalities without outright telling you because really they couldn't have especially this conversation yeah and and we see some uh we see some stuff with hippolyta later that really shows the indoctrination that uh they have in fact they have a a a moment on the plane in a minute Mm. where um hawk girl and diana have like a beautiful conversation where she's trying to distance her culture from this terrorism she's trying to say like listen that my people didn't teach us to kill all men and uh hawk girl basically says you the terror is implicit in this cultural message like where did you think that teaching somebody that women are superior and men are not allowed on our island where did you think that would end up mm. like this is the net what was the I, how did she say it? like the logical conclusion to your philosophy yeah something like that um and so you can see a lot of like the hippolyta indoctrination no wonder woman is not outwardly sexist but it's pretty easy to see that it's implicitly sexist right Mm -hmm. yeah i I think that i think that wonder woman is actually sexist against men to some degree like it doesn't come out into her affect and she doesn't let get in the way of her work but i think that there is a seed of it there that is reflective of how she was raised Mm. yeah that's that's pretty cool so was it yeah. I, I get I get a little bit mixed up in the details because this episode is so action heavy, but it was somewhere around yes. now that Star Sapphire shows up and she basically says, Hey, let's team up. And uh at that point my notes said Wonder Woman plus Hot Girl plus Star Sapphire equals girl power. It does. And then my <laughs> It is a Charlie's Angel pose. Yep. And then uh and then it turns out to be a, a a classic double cross. And this double cross is just amazingly executed mm-hmm. because the way that they introduce, they, they're pulling one over not just on the characters, but on us, the audience. Yep. Because we see Star Sapphire and Aresia, there's a conflict there. Star Sapphire doesn't seem 100% on board. So when she comes to Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl later, she's like, I don't want to fight. Aresia's gone crazy. She's gone too far. We believe it. Because yeah. we saw them you know, in conflict earlier. Yep. And then they p- turn the tables on us, and it's like, no, it was just an attempt to lure them into a disadvantaged position. Yep. I actually did not see that coming. No. I usually I, can spot them. Yeah. This one was, this one surprised me. I didn't either. Uh, my, my my note after the girl power exclamation point is dot, 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 never mind frowny face. <laughs> I do love your annotations. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, they set it up with the tropes, they set it up with yeah. the tropes of the classic double cross, mm-hmm. but then they invert our expectations, which is just like very good, like um, ma- manipulating the audience for a particular moment. Yeah. It's almost to the point that like, I was like, Oh, they're going to do a double, double cross there. She, like she's going to then turn around and go against Aresia, but uh, it never happens. Yeah. 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 Just like really good, really good way to pull the rug out from the audience. I, I really appreciate being surprised in these kind of things. Yeah, me too. Um, so um, in that hangar, before kind of the battle starts, yeah, we do have Hippolyta coming to Aresia 
with kind of like a final, um, kind of like a final plea, please don't do this. We didn't teach you to hate, which is categorically untrue. She absolutely taught them to hate men, even if it wasn't in the text, it was in the subtext. But like, she comes to her and is like, you're going too far. And we see that Hippolyta, it should be called Hippocrita. Because like, <laughs> this is clearly what her... This is clearly what her culture teaches. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, I, I've got some Hippolyta facts if you're if you're game. I I just got to say real quick, you're crushing it with the wordplay today between crotch tower and Hippocrita. I just those are both off the cuff, by the way. I didn't write those down. <laughs> That's awesome. But yes, lay some Hippolyta facts on me. <laughs> so uh, this is our character highlight, Hippolyta, Wonder Woman's mother, um, and also. So, I don't know, like, Hades is sometimes husband. Um, clearly, the video game Hades had it right. Uh, it is Persephone. They're in a loving relationship. Baby Zagreus is very fulfilled. It's a very happy family. But, uh, you know, this fake thing, uh, Hippolyta was, uh, was, was somehow engaged with Hades and was, like, sort of cursed for being uh, tricked by a man. Like, Hades romanced her in order to open the doors of Tartarus. This was handled in a previous episode. And... Mm-hmm cursed for her belief in men wasn't like able to go to olympus or something that kind of uh cursed for believing in men and being tricked by them thing goes back farther because i actually looked into the greek figure of myth hippolyta and in the in the myth of heracles she (laughs) i'm not making this up she apparently has an enchanted girdle (laughs) that uh heracles comes in and flexes her out of that girdle just kind of like you know puts puts on a display uh in order to steal it from her huh and so in that she is cursed to wear the bracelets so that they never forget uh man's deception wow so that's why they all wear bracelets in this huh um yeah it's it's very very strange and weird but um she uh yeah, she was actually originally constructed by John Byrne, who I think is related to the woman who made Wonder Woman, as a way to have the Wonder Woman continuity work out so that she was in the World War II thing, but was still in the modern era thing. Hmm. So she was like a plot construction to make all the canon work out, as near as I could figure. Right. Which is, is not my favorite thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the character in this iteration because we have that kind of parental figure who is clearly clinging to some traditional values, some traditional mentality of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and sets, sets up a nice contrast to Wonder Woman, whom we want to think better of, even though we see some of Hippolyta, some of the indoctrination lives in her. Right. So, right. Yeah, I like this character a lot in, in this show, to mm-hmm. be honest. I think it, it adds a lot to Wonder Woman's personality and upbringing it does yeah for sure and uh there's a lot of layers to unpack but i don't think i would care about unpacking them in most (laughs) versions of the character but i i I like it here and she's uh, also went through a lot of like design changes as the years went on because she used to be a uh kind of slave leia almost kind of figure like chainmail bikini sort of uh, feminine princess warrior archetype. Oh, that old uncomfortable yeah. trope. Um, and then, yeah, it's pretty uncomfortable. And in it was revamped in 1987 when uh, when George Perez revamped Wonder Woman's design from like the very, you know, 
leotard emphasis kind of design into something a little bit more tasteful. Right. Um, the, she then got designed yet again in the new 52, uh-huh. and she just looks like Xena now. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I'm... Far brawnier. Very much playing up the warrior half of the whole Queen of the Amazons thing. I'm totally on board when you go throwing Xena into the equation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's just the key to your heart. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, I think that cl- clearly this episode couldn't exist without her, nor could the Paradise mm-hmm. Lost episode. But I didn't think she got a whole lot to do in the Paradise Lost episode. She was kind of just like... Diana's angry mom. So I think that this episode was actually a real service to her to to bring her back and and uh, give her legs. Yeah, and she got legs, babe. Boy, howdy. Um, <laughs> what I really like about it, <laughs> what I really like about this uh, this kind of re- there, there's, there's a reveal that happens near the end here, mm-hmm. and it's it's some, somewhat inconsequential, but like in the overall theme of men bad in Arisha's mind. Um, it kind of gives us a, a counterpoint to give us like the hashtag not all men thing, mm-hmm. wherein Aresia was actually saved from drowning by the captain of the ship that she uh, had her tragic backstory on, mm-hmm. um, who was a man, and brought her to Themyscira and is the only man buried in Themyscira, which makes it very hypocritical that Hippolyta exiled Wonder Woman for bringing men to Themyscira, which is why I call her Hippocrita, and it is a good nickname. Well, arguably... Hippolyta didn't bring him knowingly. He short, he sort of showed up. So I, I guess in her. But defense, I mean, she could have she could have burialed at sea that guy. That's true. Yeah, that is that's 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 a fair point. But I don't know. I get a lot of like mom learning that her politics are no longer favorable energy from her. Like I think that she is coming to terms with the fact that her her stance against men in, in terms of Themyscira that's not sustainable or it misses some stuff that like i think that through diana she is sort of evolving yeah like she has that one line when uh when um Arisha says why didn't you tell me about this and her response is i didn't think it was important mm. i didn't think he was important mm. yeah so I, I think that she's sort of coming to respect men as diana is get growing closer to the world of men yeah so, uh, inconvenient timing news. Th- this was one uh, part of the episode that I was kind of like, huh. Whenever, uh, I guess Hawkgirl is flying the, uh, the, the, what's it called? The Javelin? Is that what the ship's called? Yeah. Good, good name for, uh, yeah, she's on rocket duty while, uh, Wonder Woman has that, uh, dogfight kind of thing. Right. Going on. Well, anyway, she Skypes, she Skypes the watchtower and, uh. Martian Manhunter answers basically just to pass out. It's like, that's weirdly coincidental timing. (laughs) But I guess they needed to show you that. He hung on for just long enough to tell Hawkgirl that the stakes were, in fact, raised. Well, he is a mind reader, so I guess, like, it actually makes more sense for him than it would for most characters. Like, I know she's going to call in five minutes, you know, it's... He he's that sad mom yeah. sitting by the phone waiting for his college kid to call. Oh, that just makes me feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is the loneliest character by a country mile. That so, is true. Uh, maybe yeah. Batman, but that's self-imposed. <laughs> um, so maybe you you have a you have a point there. Just uh, I don't know. I'm not willing to give the show credit for the coincidences because I am not that bothered by them. Right. This one's relatively minor. <laughs> um, you know. All of the Green Lantern shit was was way 
worse than this. <laughs> like, this is just a weirdly timed phone call. I know. But, <laughs> you I, know, I... I think I'm just yeah. going to point out convenient timing uh, whenever I whenever I spot it. It also was kind of, well, yeah, narrative construction, it was also kind of unnecessary. Like, why are we checking back in with them? Clearly, there are things happening in the foreground that are higher priority. Yeah. Do, do we just need to know that there is no cavalry coming? Is that why we're calling the Watchtower and watching John passing out? I guess so. Because, I mean, up till then, we didn't know that John had contracted it. But we could have assumed at that point, you know. We didn't need to see him sick. That I don't know just how necessary it is. Yeah, I don't know how necessary it is to see that he's not going to be a player. Like, he was already on the Watchtower working on the medicine, and we're kind of in the middle of a dogfight here. I don't think that he's a player already. Yeah. So I, I don't know why they went out of their way to, like, sideline him. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of strange. But while, you know, I think it was earlier uh, a scene on the Watchtower where uh, it shows the four guys laid out, Superman and... Uh, John Stewart are shirtless, unmasked. But oh yeah, Bruce is shirtless while wearing his mask, and same with Barry. <laughs> so I guess, uh, like, it was a weird scene. <laughs> we wouldn't recognize Barry without his mask. That's true. I-, I was kind of wondering if it was just that, like, they just don't want to design them without their signature looks. I don't know. Their cowls, probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. That that seems. That's a weird decision now that you mention it. Like, why would they take the shirts off and not the masks? Yeah. I mean, other than to show us that the... I, it's to show that the virus is there, right? It's right. to show the weird blue veiny shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you could still see that. I, with I don't the, know, man. That's a weird decision. With the chins. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get the impression that we'll probably never see Hawkgirl without her mask on, and that seems like a real disservice to all of us. Once. Oh. We do once. Okay. It might be in... Uh, it might be in Unlimited, though. I'm not. Re- I don't remember. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Good scene. But yeah. uh, that's that's for another day. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. Episode was kind of done for me after that point. Uh, there's a lot of action, and it's sort of a limp anticlimax to me. A I don't know bit. how you felt about it. Um, I didn't mind it. I I enjoyed the action for the most part. I. In hindsight, I can't tell you why, because I don't remember any of it. But like as it was happening, I was fine with it. Um, so maybe that's not very telling of, of it being uh, necessary. But uh, I, I am admittedly much less invested in action sequences than most people. So I think maybe my bias is coming into play. I just, uh, I wasn't that, the, 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 the animations with Diana and Arisha... And just punching each other a little bit. Like, it wasn't that dynamic. It wasn't that cool. One part that was cool earlier, which is why I, I noted the contrast of it, was that Sikori and Hawkgirl were fighting. Both of them had weapons. I mm-hmm. like that. We don't get that much. Yep. But it was just a slugfest. You it know, was. There wasn't really that much to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that Star Sapphire's dead after... Uh, I, I believe she was, uh, she was about to... Oh yeah, she got hit with a with the turret. Like, they, they threw a piece of machinery on her and broke her spine in half. Yeah, and, she and then just she sunk went, into the sea. Yeah. yeah, into the ocean. I was like, yeah, she's dead. Uh, she done. Yeah. <laughs> if she comes back in a later episode, I'm gonna have to cry foul on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was kind of it was kind of weird. And then yes, yeah, Sakori took off. I guess to live to fight another day. Um, That's a good moment. Yeah. Like, self-serving through and through this is a mercenary life uh i get out while the getting's good and she had a bitch in jetpack so not to discount that 
at all. Everything about her arc in these two episodes I'm pretty into. I think that she fits the mercenary who, like, I like you, but I don't like you that much. Right. I think was the line that she says in this. Yeah. Uh, where, like, Aresia is clearly, like, I am, a, I am for the cause. Mm-hmm. And here's somebody who, like, yeah, the cause is fine. I need to get paid, uh, and is and is not like is not willing to go down with the ship, which is what happens to Eresia. So, right, I like all of her. Uh, I like what happens. I like all of Sukori's kind of involvement in this. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, all in all, I mean, pretty fun episode, but not as good as the first part. No, first first part is really good setup. I like the Hippolyta stuff in this episode. Mm-hmm. One thing I'll mention, I don't know if you noted this at all. I thought that the eyes looked real weird in these two episodes. Like there's a few shots of Wonder Woman that just her eyes look almost like a Bratz doll or something. Yeah. Like they look kind of alien to me. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if I was just like staring at it at the wrong angle, but like the animation looked off. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just because I saw a lot of Amazonian eyes. Right. And they, they tend to be glam models. And, you know, one glam model in a scene draws the eye. Three of them all in the same scene. And it starts looking like a weird invasion of the body snatchers attempt. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. You can see hot girl's eyes, though. They're just, they're behind her mask. And they it, it, I noticed that they looked kind of strange this episode, too. So I don't know if it was just a different animator. I guess. Or what. Hmm. But. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I um oh I'm I'm glad that it it also registered with you even if it wasn't like a point of yeah. critique because I thought it was kind of weird. No, yeah, I mean I definitely got the the Bratz doll vibe from Wonder Woman because I hate that look and anytime it shows up I'm I'm disappointed in whoever's doing the art. <laughs> it's just because she mentioned in the first episode something about natural beauty and then I was starting to look at eyes and lips and I'm like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, she does have great cheekbones though. Um. I'm not going to deny her great cheekbones, Gary. <laughs> I'm better than that. I know. You're no fool. <laughs> I, I made a note that there's lots of death in this episode. Uh, between Star Sapphire just getting crippled and thrown into the ocean, the houses and everything being burned in the first part. Oh, yeah. The, there's uh, a car that crashes out of control because uh, the, one of the driver uh, passed out while he was driving it where are all the other cars that are under the influence of someone being passed out? Like, yeah. that, that, that's clearly not the only guy who that happened to. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely a lot of, like, uh, traffic collisions oh, throughout yeah. the entire city that, that Justice League are seven people, yeah. currently down to two in this episode. Like, there's a lot of implicit death mm-hmm. going on here. Right. And, and, and I mean, it was pretty explicit in the case of the the ship captain, you know, like, his eyes rolled into his head and he fell backwards and his face was covered in ocean waves. I'm like, how'd they get away with this in a TVY7? Yeah, I almost I almost thought Hippolyta was just going to leave him there. <laughs> like, leave too. him in the in the waves yeah. with the undertow kind of dragging him half an inch every half hour. <laughs> that was cut for time. It was an extra five minutes of just him slowly sliding into the ocean that would be like the gravity falls outro animation yeah would just be that throughout the credit sequence yeah really dark but um uh, one final note that i wanted to make just just a Mm -hmm. random little thought that really bugged me at the end of the episode so they find an antidote in arisha's notes Uh uh-huh why why would she make note of that just in case her plans fail why would she have the antidote listed? 
I, I think that that was a failure of dialogue because it wasn't clear. The way I read it was, and I'd have to go back into the actual transcript to find out, but I think there was like, we found an antidote because of Aresia's notes. Oh. Like, there is enough space there to interpret it as it allowed us to reverse engineer an antidote, but I agree that it was phrased poorly. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't blame you at all for thinking that. I had to go over it a couple of times once I heard it. I was like, wait a minute. No, that doesn't make... Okay, this is probably what they meant. Yeah, Wayne Tech figured that shit out, and then they capitalized on the vaccine. I mean, Bruce got richer at the end of this episode. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. The, the patriarchy lives on. But uh, <laughs> I, you're not wrong to criticize the dialogue. They really phoned it in for this final engagement, because they're all back on the watchtower. I need to read you a line of dialogue. Okay. Good thing you found Aresia's notes in the hideout. Yes, without them, we might never have found the antidote. Holy shit, you need to, like, that, it's got to be more organic than that, guys. Yeah. Like, that is such a, that's a, such a wooden plot dump read. <laughs> I feel like that happened at the end of Paradise Lost, too. It was just, like, the explanation was pretty thin, and, uh, and... Maybe it's just oh, a Wonder with, Woman with thing. with the sunlight turning them back to, to back to flesh from stone yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah agreed. <laughs> agreed. So much of this dialogue is so good that when they just do an exposition plot dump that just comes across extremely bland and wooden, it's just like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should have just cut like the the twenty seconds that it took to show Martian Manhunter getting sick, and explain, you know, put a little more into the outro, like. If I were directing the episode, that's how I would have done it. I can imagine a scene where, like, Flash is still in bed and he's getting another round of treatment or something, and so you can kind of tell it through... You can show it instead of tell it, like, that, yes, we have found an antidote. Um, but, like, yeah, that it, it's also, like, a callback to justify them finding the virus to begin with. Right. There's a lot of extraneous detail in this admittedly plot-light episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, overall, I still think it's pretty solid. It's still fine. Yeah. I, I didn't love the the amount of action to it. It felt a little flat to me. But all the character beats with Wonder Woman and Hippolyta, Hippocrita, I think, are, are pretty good. Right. And, and I mean, in, in defense of the action, I thought that it was pretty good. I thought it was way more interesting than some of the other episodes where the second half just turns into an action fest. Because... Um, this is better. Yeah. This is better than that, Yes. And I think it was because um, the setup was so so rewarding. It's it's, I, I hate that like every episode I'm like it's better than in Blackest Night, but I mean it is like, it is no, it actually is. They just had a gigantic robot golem ghost thing at the end that wasn't explained and wasn't appropriately dealt with. Like right. it was just a huge trip into the mud. Like yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I actually like, I think that Paradise Lost did the, uh, build up to an action sequence really well. Mm-hmm. Because it was the, the scale fit the moment. They opened a doorway to hell. Everyone's getting in on the action. Everyone gets a turn. Yep. This is, you know, narrower. It's a narrower slice of the pie. We only have a couple of people and a couple of villains, and they're doing kind of all of the uh, all of the action. And there's only so much room on a plane, so it wasn't as spectacle heavy. But all the emotions were there. Mm-hmm. Like Hippolyta, Aresia, and Wonder Woman are the core group that are all battling feels complete on that level yeah i just think the spectacle was a little lacking yeah yeah i i I agree with that um and also no gigantic titan ghosts so like (laughs) bonus amen to that but let's go to the episode highlight what did you think was top moment of the episode this is this is tough i i actually didn't like have one jump out at me um 
I think the scene where Batman is uh, stopping the bus, where the the aforementioned scene where um, yeah the the this bus driver passes out and Batman is swinging through the bus. You know, he slams through the back door and then runs to the front and tries to stop it only to, you know, realize he's going to crash into some, you know, paramedics. So he flips the bus on its side. And um, it was just a really well done action scene, I thought. Something that I really love about Batman saving a civilian as opposed to anyone else saving a civilian is that uh, his safety is very much not guaranteed. Mm hmm. So, I mean, it is by plot, of course, but yeah. like he doesn't have the power set to prevent himself from also getting gravely injured when he turns the bus on its side to prevent hitting other people. So like a superhero risking his life to save normies as opposed to risking inconvenience to save normies. Yeah. It's a very different level of uh, heroism. Right. And I, I feel like it comes through in, in the way Batman kind of articulates. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'd, I didn't mean to just like totally blow Batman for the, like the two episodes back to back. But that that's, I mean, you did though is the thing. Yeah, I kind of did. That's what he's there for. Yeah. It's the crotch tower. What can I say? What was your favorite part of the episode? I think it was the extremely coy phrase and look that Hawkgirl gives with don't knock it till you try it princess. (laughs) I like it. Just it. I mean, their interactions are just dynamite Mm -hmm. in this episode. Like, um, I don't know if it technically passes Bechtel test, given that they're talking about the concept of men and not a particular man. I feel like it still counts. Right. Um, but just this, you know, these, uh, their, their attitudes towards men are very different and very textured Mm -hmm. for, you know, two dimensional models. Yep. So yeah, uh, that, that that moment really kind of cemented it for me. And I, I really appreciated that they allowed a woman to be sexual. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. You know, we have the flash and he's, you know, a pig. He's, he's a playboy. He's a real, you know, Casanova. So-and-so he thinks of himself as a Casanova playboy kind of person, even though he can't bear it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. We have somebody who is kind of on the same level, but in a very different way. Right. Uh, in Hawkgirl. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I know I know I'm reading a lot into her, but I think that it, it is canonically in my head true. No, I that she has all of the sex and it's very good. I do love Hawkgirl. Every moment with her in this episode was a highlight for me. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh she and Wonder Woman chatting about Themyscira and politics about men is one of my favorite character moments right. so far in the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we did another one, man, and uh, yeah, Clo- closing closing thoughts on like this arc in general. I think that it's really good in theme and substance, and the execution is a little bit lacking. Awesome hot girl and, and Wonder Woman content content. Yeah, I agree. Uh, total ladies' night episode. Loved it. Um, it it was <laughs> it was handled very well for the most part. I think. I know that the episode title Fury, the the title of the arc you know, is very much hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned, that mm. kind of reminiscent thing. Right. Uh, I think Girls' Night Out would have been just as good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Just saying. I agree. That would have been a fun a fun title. I, I was actually a little bit curious about, curious about the title, so I'm glad you brought that up, because I was thinking Fury, like mm-hmm. the Fuhrer? I mean, is this tied back to <laughs> her childhood? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> That's a whole different Wonder Woman thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> we haven't gotten into that yet. All right. But if you want to go back to the 1940s, we are going to go back to the 1950s, 50s-ish next time because we're getting a, a, a real weird arc wherein we, we look at some golden age shit. Oh, cool. It's going to be good. Legends, right? Maybe Silver Age. I, I can never remember. Yeah, Legends is the next arc. I believe there's a strip club near me called Legends, so maybe we'll record live from there. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, basically Inception of Legends, I guess. Um, <laughs> until then, where can you be found? Uh, I can be found at an undisclosed hangar with a bunch of vials of plague uh, at uh, various locations around me so that anyone coming in will immediately know that, hey, this is plague. Um, and from there, I... <laughs> You know, I, uh, I run my podcast, The Cartoncast, with my brother, and uh, we talk about old cartoons. You can find us at fancybat.com slash cartoncast. Awesome. And I can be found at Legends the Strip Club. No, I can be found uh, at <laughs> <laughs> Wax Nostalgic Network. Uh, links for everything are in the show notes. So, uh, until next time, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the arc, uh, and we'll see you for Legends Part 1. Thank you for listening to The Watchtower. To find out more about this show or any of our other shows, visit us on the web at www.waxnostalgicnetwork.com.